Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to the Week 11 edition of the Shovel Pass Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer, and as always, I'm sitting down this week with Chris and Phil Heim and my brother, Will Sawyer, to talk NFL football. Hello, 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 gentlemen. How are you? Tremendous, Nicky. How y'all doing, fellas? Fantastic, as always. Yeah, fairly well. <laughs> nice to see everyone. Glad to have you back this week, Chris. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. We got another week behind us, and it seems like every week a different type of clarity presents itself. Every week we feel like we're learning something, and and yet every week it's a different team that seems to be. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you're experiencing clarity because I'm just experiencing utter confusion (laughs) (laughs) i suppose i'm trying to put a different spin on it but yeah it feels like every week when we learn something i don't know at least i feel like something's becoming more clear like Mm -hmm. oh we learned something oh this team this team is looking like the class of the division or the the conference and then the next week it changes so the more we learn the less we know I, i guess what i'm saying I'm with you. And I think it's interesting from my perspective, at least. And uh, I know I mention this every time I make an appearance on the podcast. It's almost like I have a quota. But as a Steelers fan, uh, my lens through which I view football is organized through Pittsburgh. So um, this is That's the first a real shame. year. Yeah, fair enough. But this, <laughs> this, is a, this is a first year I can remember probably since I started watching the Steelers play that I had no expectations for him at all. Uh, in terms of doing any kind of damage, even short term in the in the playoffs. So, so what you're to, saying is now you know what it feels like to be a, a Lions or a Browns fan. No, no, not at all. Because at least Pittsburgh <laughs> is still well run. They're still positive. They still won games, right? And for me, at least, it's nice. It's nice seeing uh, seeing the NFL because it's I'm almost it's almost like I'm watching the the league and the games played this year through a different perspective. Whereas before, it was always filtered through like how does this affect Pittsburgh's chances? How does this shake up the playoff picture? Now it's almost like a pure enjoyment of the game and the league. Just kind of like oh, this is it. it's almost like a, a gentlemanly fascination with it. Like oh, that's how, how quaint, right? Like oh, this team just lost. I thought the Bills were great, you know, a month ago. Now they're six and four and trailing the uh, Patriots. How lovely! How interesting that is. Right? Well, I like that. It's I academic. Like that, Chris. It's very academic. I like, I like that. <laughs> I like that Zen-like clarity or, or Zen-like in, in enlightenment that you found. You know, outside yeah. of your crazy. Zitzburg fandom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's start off with some weekly roundtable, you know, and the, the weekly news and what's happening in the NFL. And uh, I think we started here last week, but you know what? It, it feels like we should start in Dallas again this week because Dallas lost a big game on the weekend to the Kansas City Chiefs. They were without Amari Cooper. They were without... Who else were they without, Will? Well, they lost C.D. Lamb partway yeah. through the game. Yeah. They were without yeah. Tyron Smith? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, they still have a couple of other injuries um, on the defense as well. So, yeah, the big one, though... For Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. Demarcus Lawrence. And he should be back, what, in a couple weeks? Are we thinking? I think so. Yeah, okay. The big one, though, for them coming out of this game is the receivers. So they were without Amari going in because he is an unvaccinated player, which he has been open and upfront about. No issue there. But the fact that he's unvaccinated and he did get COVID, he's now out for a minimum of 10 days, which means he misses two football games. 
Couple that with losing C.D. Lamb on the weekend. Now they're without their two top receivers. And it starts to get a little bit concerning based on how they've played the last couple of weeks and guys are dropping like flies for their season going forward. So well, that's and, a lot and, to digest, but somebody run with it. What are So, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to delve into any of the kind of like political side of vaccination, non-vaccination. Everybody has their right to their own choice of and course. opinion there, but I can't help but agree with Michael Irvin coming out and saying, you know what? We've got Cedric Wilson out there playing for, I forget what it is, $2 million, $2 million a year. Bucks, yeah. And we've got, uh, you know, whoever their fifth, fifth receiver, receiver is, is yeah. out there playing for a million dollars. And we've got Amari Cooper getting paid twenty $21 million a year to sit on the bench. Not even, right? There's, he's not even going to be a, there. Right. There's a problem there that he's on the he's not able to play. He's not able to be part of the team. It has nothing to do with injury. Right. It has to do with a choice that he made. So yeah. regardless of what your opinion is on whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate, um, the issue for me has always been availability. And all of these guys are willing to do anything and everything for their team to win. Oh, I'll take all those supplements. I'll do, you know, all of that extra workout in the off season rehab on my uh, body to make sure I'm in tip top condition. I'll watch my diet. I'll everything. I'll do everything for everything, right? Get shot up with Toradol and like guys will do anything to stay on the field and be available for their team. I mean, teams dictate what sports they can play in the off season and what activities they can partake in, right? Whether Big Ben can ride his motorcycle. Right. <laughs> or Miles Garrett can dunk, that too. Right. Whether you can play pickup <laughs> basketball. Like, these are things that – these are, are sacrifices and choices that guys are not allowed to make so that they're available for their team. So – yeah, I mean, I, I, I see where Jerry's coming from, or sorry, um, Michael Irvin's coming from, that you need to make a choice that makes keeps you available for your team. And when it comes down to, I like the point he made about the Super Bowl, that this is about winning a Super Bowl. And every decision you make and everything you work for throughout the year, every rep is about trying to avoid a mistake that could cost you a game or cost you the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And that's it. So Dallas just lost a big one. They they have a short week coming back to Thanksgiving. Now they have neither of their two top receivers. You mm-hmm. know, they're hoping that, you know, Michael Gallup looked pretty good in his first game back. Hopefully he can, you know, be decent. But uh, he, he I, I think it's difficult to argue that he makes up for either C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper individually. Um, yeah, yeah. And and Dallas had some bad drops this weekend. Cedric Wilson needs to kind of focus on the ball a little bit more. <laughs> uh, well, and to your point about Michael Gallup, like I've always said, I've always been a big fan of Michael Gallup, and I've always said that he's underrated and he impresses me every time I watch him play. But... He's always been the second receiver to Amari Cooper or the third receiver to Amari Cooper and CD Lamb. So, yes, he's always impressed me and looked good playing when he's not drawing double coverage. But when there's nobody else on the field and it's just Michael Gallup as the number one receiver, let's see how that plays out because uh, it may not look quite the same. No, no, exactly. And, and I think we got a bit of a preview of that this weekend against Kansas city where he had some nice plays, some nice grabs, but when it came down to driving the field, Dallas was struggling. Right. Okay. So it's bears, bears watching. Um, you know, I think Dallas is an, is a very good team, but they need to get some guys healthy and, uh, find a rhythm and, and kind of gel again, going down the stretch and win some games. So, 
But this does bring us to a conversation about the NFC East and our scrappy Washington football team that has been uh, winning some games with Taylor Heineke. He's been great. He really has. He really has. What a great story. Um, is he going to be enough and is Washington good enough to concern Dallas and push for that division? So I wouldn't necessarily look to Washington before over or rather without with if I'm overlooking the Eagles, Um, the Eagles are a team that before I kind of blinked, uh, I wrote them off and then now all of a sudden they're a game away from 500. Right. So to me, it's kind of like, I'm not saying that Dallas is going to be afraid of from either Washington or Philly, but to me, it's very much more, uh, if Dallas kind of like you guys said, is having issues with the injury bug and also now Amari's not, you know, he's missing time because of COVID and stuff. Then to me, it's more, uh, do I see Philly with, Jalen Hurts at quarterback taking over, or do I see Washington with, uh, you know, uh, what, I forgot his name for a second. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> that's the one, Taylor Heineke. <laughs> see, again, so forget I'm a quarterback. You already kind of, you know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, who do you trust more to, I think, make a potential threat? And for my money, I trust Jalen, I think, a little more at quarterback. I think he's got a lot of unfair hate, his career. Uh, and even, you know, we were talking about it before, too, but even, like, in college as well. So to me, it's mm-hmm. more, it's not, it's not that I would look to the, fo- the football team right away, but it's more just like somehow the Eagles are swooped in underneath all of our radars. Um, and they're on a w- two game win streak too. Right. And uh, they also put up a couple uh, impressive strikes. I'm pretty sure they had a blowout their last game. Uh, who did they play their last game against the, yeah. They beat the Saints 40, yeah, 40 yeah. 29. Yeah. Yeah. So not quite a blowout, but a decent, uh, a decent one there. They, they had a, a pretty strong win over the Broncos the week before too. And they blew out the Lions. Uh, on Halloween, right? So, like, they've had, you know, three pretty strong wins in the last four games. So, yeah, I think uh, the Eagles maybe deserve a little more respect, too. Well, and and so here, I'll, I'll put one thing up for discussion. Um, I, th- I think Philadelphia has an easier schedule to the end of their season. Now, okay. Philly, Philly and Washington play each other twice, so that's kind of a wash between those two teams. Um but Washington has to play Dallas twice, the Seahawks, the Raiders, and the Giants. To me, the only real like easy game there is maybe the Giants, but it's a divisional game. It's still not, still not a, a gimme. Um, yeah. Philly, yeah, there's no easy games there. Yeah, Philly plays the Giants twice, plays Washington twice, plays the Jets and the Cowboys. Right. Okay. So a bit easier. Both bit of them easier. have a a hell of a divisional schedule down the stretch, which I think a lot of teams do. This is, this is fairly common, right? That the divisional games kind of clump at the end of the season uh, to make it interesting. But yeah, those, those Philly Washington games are actually, it's kind of funny at the beginning of the season, I would not have circled either of those games, but the way those teams are playing recently, those are going to be fun games to watch. So they kind of get a, a a penciled in circle on my schedule here. <laughs> well, and I mean, for a lot of years, I, I would have made the case that the NFC East was the toughest division in football. Now it's been a, a lot while. of years ago. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I would say this year it's it's starting to be a little bit scrappier, and those divisional games I think are going to be good down the stretch, and. I don't know. It, it is possible that you end up with two playoff teams out of the NFC East this year. Mm, possible. I'm going to say not likely. <laughs> That's fair. But I think a lot of the games are, are going to split down the stretch. Yeah, I think they're um, going to cannibalize each other, honestly. I, that's that's yeah. going to do the But minute. Dallas is two games up, so, you know, in, in an even wash, they still come out on top. Uh, yeah, I think Dallas makes it. Okay. So we'll touch on a couple of quick things here. New York lost pretty badly, and Jason Garrett is fired. Apparently it's his fault they haven't been scoring enough points. Joe Judge came out and said, we need to score more points. It's not enough, and that's on us coaches. And he was 
you know, very, it was a bit veiled in his press conference and somebody asked him about Jason Garrett and I think he kind of dodged the question. But alas, <laughs> the next day, Jason Garrett gets fired. So Freddie Soup Kitchens is in as offensive coordinator. <laughs> I think, we think. I think Joe uh, Judge he, said it's going to be a collaborative effort. Yeah, he but, said play caller, play caller. Yeah. So, Potato, but, tomato. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Freddie, Freddie Kitchens, I don't know how much he's impressed any of us in his past lives. Not so at all. I, I would be very surprised at this point if he's the the secret sauce that just makes the New York offense <laughs> tick. Um, yeah, you know what, though? He did have a good run when he came in as interim head coach in Cleveland. He had a nice run with Baker Mayfield. And Baker kind of thrived under his tutelage. So tutelage, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so much of that is... is Stranger both, things have happened. But for that, that first in, uh, entanglement with Baker and Freddie, it was, it was entanglement. just like... Entanglement. <laughs> I'm using a Jada Pinkett Smith term. But, uh, but for... No, no. It's, it's, I think it's for, in that instance, it was honestly more just inexperience um, or rather lack of, of tape on either Kitchens or Baker when they first teamed up uh, Baker's rookie year. But mm-hmm. since then, like people know, cause it's the fear of the unknown. It's like, we don't know what to do. So we'll just try to play it simple. Yeah. Uh, there's enough film on both those guys. Now it's him with Freddie kitchens. I honestly don't think Jason Garrett was a problem. Yes. The buck stops the OC. If the offense isn't, isn't performing well, but Daniel Jones is clearly not the guy. Saquon can't stay healthy. And Dave Gettleman's a terrible GM who can't draft. So oh, I, uh, come on. No, he is. Come he is. on. He's not a good He's not a good No, team. no, no. I'm fine with you saying Gettleman's a, a, but, a stink, but like but <laughs> Daniel Jones? Yes, Daniel Jones is inconsistent, no. and I don't think he's the guy. He no, is not Danny gonna, Dime. I'm, no, I'm still not, I'm he still is, not over Danny he's, Dimes. He's, I still think he's, he's he turns good. the ball over too much. He doesn't score many touchdowns. He doesn't throw many touchdowns. He's just... He's just not producing enough. But he's sneaky athletic, buddy. But I, who cares about athleticism? Like, sneaky except athletic. When tri- except when he stumbles on his own feet before scoring an 88-yard <laughs> like, touchdown. So. I, I know athleticism is, is important for the modern quarterback, but at the end of the day, if it's not translating to results, I don't care how athletic you are. I, 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 okay, I'm, well, I don't have any, I'm, I'm going to do a dive on Danny Dimes this week, and we're going to come back to this next week. Okay. Because I... My feeling is he is not nearly as bad as you you make him out to be. Hot I take: I would rather Sam Darnold than Danny Dimes. Oh, <laughs> gross! No, no. Oh, I would rather one that New York quarterback, former New York quarterback, as opposed to this. <laughs> Without diving, you would have done a straight swap with the, I, with I the Jets, Jets, Giants, swap. just straight swap yeah. here. We'll we'll do a little wife wife swap here, you know. No, no, take, I, I would have take Darnold. If I was if I was the Jets, I would have asked for a third round pick as well for compensation. On, on top of Danny Dimes. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that's Get a hot take. Here. That's, that's, not a, that's a take I would have made, you know, back in January when I was still oh, in love that, with that, That's a hot steaming take. Yeah. yeah that's Steelers take. That's, that's just a, a hot steaming take. Steelers take. Yeah. You can have Darnold. I hear not he's anymore. available. Not anymore. <laughs> it's all about Aaron Rodgers, baby. Number one. Greatest day would do it. Let's go. I hope nothing more now than to see the Steelers trade for Danny Dimes in the offseason so he oh, can go no, and, no. and lift the Lombardi I'm stop with right the Steelers. There. Don't, don't put that in the universe there, please. No. <laughs> we don't need I, that. I've, I've heard a bunch of noise that uh, Denver, with them locking up their receiving core for uh, next year with some new contracts, that they're they're prepping the way for, for a Deshaun Tampa Watson. Bay-esque shot at Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> No, they're yeah, going to Deshaun. I, I don't think that's all that surprising. If if they could get Deshaun, I think they would do that too. If they thought he would actually be on the field, but um, yeah. don't. But, but I think it's more realistic Deshaun. that they're going for Rodgers. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Uh, would he? Would Rodgers rather have uh, Denver with a coach that's going to get fired at the end of the season, or Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, won't have one this year? And is going to be a Hall of Fame coach with one of the best defense in the league and a surplus of offensive young talent. Are you kidding? Rodgers and Tomlin will never get along. Tomlin uh, is going to get yeah, it. Well, Rodgers gets along yeah. with no one, yeah. but T- at least one coach. Tomlin takes no money. shit from no one. And 
Oh, yes, Rogers is just going to be a pain Thomas, in his ass. Thomas, dude, Thomas been taking shit from Big Ben. Big Ben has been more of a nuisance than Aaron Rodgers. And Big Ben isn't nearly as productive. It's for compared to Big so? Ben. Yes, compared to Big Ben, Rodgers, Thomas can be salivating like, oh Jesus, at least he's throwing forty-five touchdowns instead of thirty-eight. Like thirty-eight balls past the first down mark all year. Like that's what he's going to see <laughs> from from Rodgers. It's an increase in everything. Maybe on par with moodiness. But at least on-field production is going to skyrocket. Uh, see, Big Ben, Big Ben. It was Big Ben's team when Tomlin started coaching there. Mm-hmm. When Big Ben leaves, it's Tomlin's team, and I don't think he. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it happening. Rogers isn't going to the Steelers. No, I, I don't see it honestly as all that enticing for Rogers. Um, I put a whole tuition payment on uh, on the betting line. For sure. sure. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, friend. Okay. Um we gotta we gotta move on pretty quick. But who meant who called that Tennessee trap game last week? That was you, Phil, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the thing when you see divisional games uh in the near the end of the seat of the schedule. There's always a trap game in there and divisional games are no no less than that. So uh, I, I wasn't expecting Houston, you know, uh, would be the one to get him down, but it is always possible. Well, you uh, said it. You we, said we made Houston that twice. Yeah, we made that twice. Look at it. Yep. There it is. That's true, but uh, it, it's it's still one of those things that still surprise you when you see it. Because, but I think you said it too, Nikki. Like, there's no there's no reason on God's green earth that you need Ryan Tannehill dropping back two times to pass uh, in inclement weather. There's no there's no sense for that, right? So, right. Well, yeah. it was crazy. It, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. And yeah, just yeah. to say, like, we're gonna talk. Indy a little bit later, but the comparison is Tennessee ran the ball, I think, 21 times compared to 52 passes. Now, I can't believe, I mean, they ran a lot of plays in that game, but they dominated the time of possession. They dominated the total yards from scrimmage. They dominated the passing yards, the rushing yard. Like, they dominated the whole game, and they still lost because they threw four picks and fumbled once, like, Five turnovers, you can't win. But why do you have Tannehill dropping back 52 times? That's never been your formula. That's not who you are. Tannehill does not throw the ball 52 times. Don't do it. Not successfully. Especially (laughs) in the pouring rain. Why? Why would you do that? This is old school football. Tennessee just run the ball. I don't care if AP is 47 and creaky. You you wouldn't have... Drew Brees in his prime try to throw 52 balls in the rain. That would not be smart football. Yeah. Tannehill is no Brees. So let's put things in context. Oh my God. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absurd. It, it's absurd that you would expect a guy who is not. It is. It is. The it's reason absurd. you're winning as a passer, yeah. even in good weather. Yeah. And then just run the ball. Yeah. Just run the ball. I don't care if it's even effective, but they were averaging like four and a half yards a carry. Anyways, I would let Tannehill run it 52 times before I would let him throw it. (laughs) Anyways, all that's to say the Tennessee loss doesn't all doesn't particularly concern me in the long run for Tennessee. They just can't turn the ball over five times, which I don't think Tannehill has ever thrown four interceptions in a game until this weekend. So he might have once or twice in Miami. Call it an anomaly. Anyways, okay, moving on. NFC West. Let's talk about the NFC West. Do the Los Los Angeles Rams suck? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not. They don't, but but they're doing their best imitation. (laughs) Um, They've got such a talented team, but they are not performing the way we expected them to. They haven't quite gelled into this super team that we all kind of felt like they could be at the beginning of the season. They're kind of somewhere in the okay realm. And from week to week, I don't know whether they're going to put up 40 points or, you know, I come back to this every week guys is my, my analogy of a sports car. They look like a Ferrari or the, or a, you know, a, a high performance race car but they just haven't tuned it quite right. And they keep springing a leak and you know, they'll, they'll get out and, you know, win a game, 
impressively, show off all their tools, and then the next week it's like, oh, you know, we we broke down again. Things aren't quite right. So is it just a slump, though? Do they figure things out? We kind of saw this a little bit with Tampa Bay last year. We weren't sure. Tampa Bay had all these pieces, and we weren't sure about them through the beginning and the middle part of the season, and then they came on down the stretch and showed what, you know, showed that they had they'd come together and they got that chemistry and they made the run. So are the Rams the same thing? Are they going to figure it out? I don't know. The Rams, the Rams in the last two games have scored 26 points total. In the three games previous to that, they scored 104 points. Woo. You know, Jekyll and Hyde, right? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) right. But listen, they're not the only team to have had a couple of games where they stumble, where they looked really awful. So my Cowboys, maybe they'll come out of it. Yeah, my Niners. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My Niners are looking pretty spiffy right now. Yeah, they they're looking arguably the best in the NFC West <laughs> right now, right now in yeah, this instantaneous I know. moment, I know. you know, pre Kyler coming back, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they look pretty, pretty good. Um, do they, do they play Arizona late in the season? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. So that I will be looking forward to. They got spanked the last time and, uh, you know, they've gelled a lot since oh, then. Oh, no, they do not. I'm sorry. Oh, no. They've already played the Cardinals twice. Yeah, they've already played the Cardinals twice. And lost twice. And lost both. That's a so shame. I would have really liked to position. see a late, uh, late season game for them. But we do have San Fran at the Rams on January 9th. Final yep. game of the season. Yeah. Honestly, I will be surprised on my calendar, and that to me is playoffs. Like if the I think Niners that's an early playoff game. Doing, yeah, if I, the I think who wins up, that might be in the playoffs. Yeah, so my hope is optimistically, as a Niners fan, obviously, that the Niners are turning a corner and they make a push through the end of the season to chase down the Rams. And on January 9th, we end the Rams and take their playoff spot. We end the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> you going to assassinate them? <laughs> but Well, what was the stat that we, we brought up the last time they, they played the Rams? That uh, Shanahan has actually beaten Sean McVay. It was like oh, five like and the last or six something. times. No, 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 five and oh. Five, five and zero. Oh. The last five meetings, five and zero. Oh. Boom, like undefeated against yeah. uh, against uh, McVeigh. That that's, I should know that, but I that's serious. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. That's psychological. That's LeBron yeah. versus Raptors. That's I'm in your head. <laughs> I live inside your head, McVeigh. <laughs> well, hey, that's the thing. That's the thing. Chan- I, I've I've beat this drum for a while that Shanahan should be on the hot seat, right? So that's uh, his career. Maybe is. Uh, has a few more feathers in his cap. Maybe has uh, he's stuck around as long as he has because he keeps beating Sean McVay. So maybe that's yeah, why he's yeah. stuck is around. It, is it one of those things like, uh, you know, Ohio, Michigan, If as long as you beat them, yeah, then you're good. <laughs> you got your job. Well, I mean, in fairness, McVay is, is an offspring. Like, who's your daddy? <laughs> right? Yeah. He's a Shanahan. He's a Shanahan offspring. Disciple. Yeah. So, anyways, so let's take the temperature in the room. Do the Niners make a run, and and do the Niners make the playoffs? I don't know. You don't Um, have to be nice. You don't have to be nice, okay? I honestly don't know yet. I'm on the fence. It's undetermined. Because, Jimmy, the issue is their quarterback play has been so hot and cold as well. It's not just Shanahan. Like, their quarterbacks are – this is a very, very banal kind of pointless statement, but – they're, they live and die by how well their quarterbacks play, and their quarterbacks are especially hot and cold, it seems. Do you so, know who has the best quarterback rating over the last five weeks? 
Uh, you're going to tell me Jimmy Garoppolo right now, aren't you? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Well, that's the problem. Can he sustain that? If he can sustain that, then yes, they're in the playoffs. And yes, they actually probably win a game or two. But if he can't sustain that, or he gets injured, which is more likely than not, mm. then I my guess is no. It's hard to argue with that. But I and I've been highly critical of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he is playing quite well. I will admit over the last five weeks and. I'm willing to let bygones be bygones as long as he keeps playing this well. But if you trip up, Jimmy, I am on your ass again. <laughs> here's, a, here's a reverse question for you there, Nikki. Is it hashtag time to trade Trey? That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> not even close. <laughs> hey, no, we're hearing that about your love, man. Who knows? No, you know, I'm not a big fan of that pick. Not because I have anything against Trey Lance. Okay. I think he's a, a fine young man, and he's very athletic, and his potential is through the roof. I think everything that they, they saw in him is probably true. I just don't generally like drafting guys from small schools who have very little starting experience in college to be the next starting quarterback in the NFL. When Mac Jones is sitting there, albeit less athletic and somewhat frumpy, <laughs> but knows how to me. play quarterback. <laughs> Especially, and honestly, I feel like that has more significance to the franchise of the Niners that's had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the previous GOAT being one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's the thing. It's funny. I was listening to a Alex Smith TED Talk today of all things, and he even mentioned kind of like the the pressure that comes with being the first court, like a first round quarterback from the Niners. So if you're making that pick, like you better, you better know that the guy you're picking is going to be your franchise guy for the next, you know, kind of decade plus. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, does he have the mental um, confidence to be that guy? Can he handle that that position? And that Anyways. was one of the arguments that we had for Mac during the draft. That you know, quarterback for Alabama comes with some expectations, yeah. comes with some yeah. national kind of criticism, and the fact that you've gone through that gives you, you a bit of them. a base. Yeah, to... he's seasoned. He's a seasoned cast iron pan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's thwacking people in the face with it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. And okay, I don't know who's going to make this case. Arizona is very weak without Kyler. Oh it's, no, I'm not, not coming for me. It's no. not coming for me. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing is uh, Arizona. To kind of reminds me, honestly, an, an awful lot. Like without Kyler. They remind me kind of like a better version of last year's Patriots in that like they'll beat you with opportunistic defense and they're but their offense is just better right like they can still move the ball without Kyler it's just that they're not nearly as dynamic or explode they're not a home run hit every or threat every single play without Kyler but they're still a competent offense and Colt McCoy is turning back the clock pre uh, being decapitated by James Harrison so he's looking like uh, yeah. future the Cleveland Browns Colt McCoy and not kind of journeyman Colt McCoy right so. Uh, I think they're not, I don't know if they're, they're definitely not as great without Kyler, but I wouldn't say they're weak. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was joking around this weekend that, you know, Arizona kind of sucked without him. Uh, it's a little bit hyperbolic, but the biggest difference to me is with Kyler, they look dynamic. They look like they can go up against the best teams in the league and they can fight it out uh, with Colt. I don't know. It it feels like a little bit of a. I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but a Kirk Cousins light. Like he's okay, but does he have the swagger? Do you feel like the team has the dynamism to to go out and smack some of the best teams in the league in the mouth and take what's theirs? I, I don't feel that way watching Arizona without Kyler. So um, the longer yeah. Kyler stays out, the more I worry for them. But uh, I think I think he should be getting healthy soonish, and uh, and we'll see what happens because they got to play the Rams, the Colts, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks to close out the season. Uh, I, I'm discounting the Bears and the Lions, but. <laughs> um, They've got some this, decent games to close out the season with Kyler back. We'll see what they really are. I will say this. 
don't rush him back. You just went two and one with Colt McCoy. You've got a good team. This two and one over the last three games has opened my eyes to I think Cliff Kingsbury might be figuring out this head coaching in the NFL thing. He was the brunt of a lot of criticism and questionable coaching decisions over the past couple of years. But if you go two and one with Colt McCoy as your quarterback and the way they've won, they feel like a different team. I mean, this is okay. I don't want to make this sound too obvious, but they strike me as more of a slugfest team with Holt McCoy in there. And obviously their style is completely different. So this to me makes them almost more dangerous that, okay, they can play different types of football. They don't need Kyler Murray to beat you up and to, you know, outcoach you. And, I don't know. You got to feel pretty good about it right now. So keep Kyler Murray out as long as necessary to make sure he is 110% healthy when he comes back to the field and you make that run into the playoffs. Obviously, don't jeopardize your playoffs, but if you can, you've proven you can win with Colt McCoy. So give him his time. Let Kyler come back completely healthy. And the way the team has adapted to life without him has been impressive. Well, and this is it. They're coming up on their bye week, and then they got the Bears the week after. Right. If there's any any doubt that Kyler is not ready, then there's no reason to rush him back for the Bears. Totally. Conceivably, he has another three weeks to get healthy. And, you know, as much as I would like to see a full-strength cards play the Rams on December 13th, ultimately, if you miss that and you miss... Detroit, like you can likely come out of that two and one yeah. as well. And you're not in danger of losing your, your division over that stretch of games. No, exactly. Okay. Lastly, let's, I mean, I guess we got to touch on Seattle again. I said this last week. My question is just why is Russ playing? They, they look bad. He looks awful. He looks He's, is it, is, am I the only one? It's clear he's still injured. Oh, yeah, 100%. So why is he on the field? Well, because they have zero hope without him, and they still have a bit of hope with him. Um, that being said, uh, there was a really funny meme. Uh, I can't remember who showed it, sent it to me, but it was like the playing on the Russ, let Russ cook thing from last week. Yeah, last yeah. year. <laughs> and it was like, it was like a bowl of like alphabets or whatever cereal. Some like uncooked uh, sausages, and, like, cheese, <laughs> like processed uncooked cheese. hot dogs, yeah. tossed in milk of, and alphabets. Was it one yeah. of you two oh who said it? That was hilarious. Just brutal. <laughs> Just let but Russ like, cook. But like, I I still think Russ is a top three, four quarterback in the league. He is. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. I've been making the case for a long time now that he's uh, he's been a better quarterback since he's entered the league than Aaron Rodgers has been. He just hasn't got the media jerk-offs, pardon my French, that Aaron Rodgers has gotten. <laughs> it's just, I think a lot of it, honestly, is is uh, there's a clear lack of of um, symbiosis between him and, and Carroll. Um, so we'll see what they do about that in the offseason. This is the second year now uh, Russ has expressed uh, dissatisfaction with the organization. But it seems to be directed without fully, you know, addressed straight towards Pete Carroll. And um, I, I don't know. I think they need to have some organizational shifts. They've been missing a lot in the draft. Their their roster construction is a little wild. Their their utilization of draft picks is a little wild. Um, they need some changes, I think, for sure. It's it's just well, just to quickly like I guess wrap up the Seattle thing. It's funny kind of looking at this situation with Russ now and how that relationship with Pete seems a little more acrimonial, or acrimonious rather. And it reminds me, honestly, a lot of kind of like that, those last few seasons in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Uh, and the situation, I think, is especially kind of like there's a parallel because, like, both these teams don't really have owners. I mean, the, the Seahawks on paper have an owner. It's uh, was it Paul Allen's, I think, uh, sister or something inherited the team when he died. Uh, and he, she's kind of running the day-to-day stuff. But, like, Pete's kind of the guy in charge of that. Like, it's not like there's an, uh, a, like an owner that Russ can go above Pete's head to. You know, and same, and same with uh, – 
with Aaron when he was having tension with Mike McCarthy. I feel like that's why McCarthy lasted as long as like there's not it's not like there's an or, like an owner he could go above to his head to and play that I'm your star franchise quarterback card with. Um, so that's kind of where I find interesting is like okay, well we saw how Green Bay made that choice between coach and quarterback. Let's see how Seattle does with even less formalized kind of ownership and, and leadership but, there, right? Wait, so. enlighten me and anyone else who's listening. What is it? Is it between Russ and Pete Carroll? I thought it was Russ and management. No, it, it, well, he said like he wanted management. personnel. You know, he was angry that he wasn't getting any input and in personnel decisions so, and that kind of so stuff in the offseason. Inter- so, my interpretation of that is that management is uh, is a polite unspecific term for Pete Carroll specifically because Pete Carroll like, is I'm management. Sure. Yeah, he's become Pete, the acting all he's consolidated power. Everything. Exactly. Does he, has, he has full roster control? Yeah, basically, he's got full. He's got full player personnel. And, yeah, and they, and they have operations. Have G, too. They do have a GM, but like the, the the it's it's almost like a name only. No, no the GM yeah. works for Pete Carroll. There you go. All football operations in in uh, Seattle runs through Pete Carroll. That's kind of that's that's what I'm saying. It's like okay. it's an interesting situation because okay. it's like both Russ and Aaron didn't exactly have like an owner to kind of complain to like most quarterbacks in this situation. What any other generation that gets the quarterback like those two uh, guys would have a, an owner that could go above the coach's yeah. head to and say, I'm your star franchise quarterback. You're the, you pay me hundreds of millions of dollars, not that Jagoff calling plays. You should get rid of him, right? Like there's no – these guys can't play that card with their franchises. So to me it's fascinating to see what does which team yeah. choose, right? And, and You know Carol what, though, saying, Phil, You see that a lot with these teams that have coach slash personnel um, czars. Bill O'Brien, <laughs> right? It's very rarely, very rarely do you see a quarterback have the power to go to the owner. I mean, we saw Brady do it. He That's pulled the only reason he stayed Belichick. there that long. Honestly, like, yeah. Belichick's a kind of asshole. Belichick, I'm sure, wanted to get rid of Brady after 2014. He, no, he wanted. He off. did. He did. He did. Before 2014, yeah. he wanted to get rid of Tommy. Right. He, Brady. Right. He Brady won three more Super Bowls out of spite. Exactly. But Brady has dinner on the weekends with yeah. Robert Kraft and he had an in there to to go above his head. Most quarterbacks don't though. Right? Most quarterbacks, but you find it when it's usually it's the quarterback going over the coach's head to maybe the GM or, you know, that kind of thing, or having problems with the GM specifically. And then maybe the coach, you know, he plays the coach as the in between man. Um I don't know. It's interesting. I'm not really sure what to make of it. I have a hard time believing that they're going to get rid of Russ, but we we kind of we touched we kind of did this conversation last week. Mm-hmm. I feel like you got to make him happy. He's too but, good. But why is he on the field? <laughs> well, yeah, put Gino back in there. No, no, no. He he as as hobbled and as sad as he looks, I still think they have a better chance him on the field. Until proven know. otherwise. Until they, was, they played, otherwise. they played okay with Geno Smith, and simply for the longevity of your quarterback and for your later season, you keep Russ on the bench. It, it, it's not I about mean, are they better with Russ. It's not yeah. about are they better with Russ. It's do you want him healthy at the end of the season or not? And guys, he was fourteen of twenty six for two hundred and seven yards. Yes. Yeah, I know, but we but we see how competitive that division is, though, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I guess now there is yeah. no end game. See, There's it no is against there. the Cardinals. The Cardinals are nine and two, and and granted, he got sacked five times, I think. But, anyways, maybe that's. I, I mean, the Cardinals impressed me on the weekend as well. Their defense is impressive. So, oh boy. Well, I wish I could say it pains me to see Seattle sucking so bad, but it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, let's let's end let's finish this off with the AFC. Uh because we got a lot of stuff, a lot of fun stuff to talk about here. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with with the hot teams, Indianapolis? I think so. Um right, I think one of the things still take it away. Yeah, one of the things that I've been thinking have been real uh, interesting recently is kind of seeing which of the hot teams in the AFC, the, the guys on win streaks, that's the Colts, that's the Patriots, which one of them is actually the best kind of team that's on a hot streak in the AFC, but also which one of them can make the, the deepest run in the playoffs. So obviously I'm biased, big kind of mass hole over here. I'm going to go with my Patriots, naturally. Patriots. But 
The Colts sure the Colts sure do put up a hell of a case for themselves. Okay, so I'm looking at the stats on defense. The Pats have the number one overall defense. That's for sure. They're killing it, playing absolutely out of their mind on defense. No one's doubting that. But the Colts are also sneakily playing some great defense themselves. They don't have the they're kind of middle of the pack. I think 16th to 15th as far as yards allowed, but they are leading the league in total turnovers. They have a plus 15 turnover differential. Uh, they've had I think 13 interceptions. Um, as a defense um, and 12 forced fumbles. That's amazing uh, to me. Sorry, yeah. just I'm going to jump in. That is amazing to me considering Carson Wentz plays quarterback for the Colts. That's what oh, I'm saying. come on. But, but that's, <laughs> but that's the point. That defense is opportunistic, right? If they're opportunity, they have, and that's the thing is the, the, the Patriots and the Colts have seemed to have figured out and, an old formula of football for winning football games. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of this before, but you run the football and you play solid defense. Like it's a new kind of concept. I've seen the, some teams. <laughs> so yeah, but it's just, it's funny. Cause like they're kind of picking up the lead from where the Titans left off pre Derek Henry injury. I think where they're now the teams in the AFC that beat you over the head with the running game and then don't let you get anything going and their options are going to defense. Right. So to me, it's very interesting kind of seeing, if Indy can make or build on the momentum they've been having and see how, how Jonathan Taylor is going, who is inserting himself into the MVP race. I, for me, I think it's a little premature to, call, to put him in there. Uh, I think if you put him in that conversation, you definitely got to put Derrick Henry, even though he's been injured in there. But um, that's one of the things where it's like, okay, well, the Colts seem to be hot, like heating up a lot hotter than I uh, thought. Because even a few weeks ago, it, 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 I thought they were still like three games below 500. And now so all of a sudden they're on a run. Right, so yeah, I gotta say yeah. I agree with you. The, the the Titans comparison, I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league active right now. Obviously, with Henry out, um, it's interesting. I read this. I read this uh, after the game on on Sunday that I guess Frank Reich, sometime early in the third quarter, after they missed on a third down play action pass, decided that's it. I'm running the ball on every first and second down from here on out. And for the for the large part, he did right through to the end of the game. And Jonathan Taylor ended, ended the game with 32 carries and four touchdowns? Five touchdowns. Five, Five touchdowns. touchdowns on, I think, 35 total touches. Uh, reminded me of some of the work that Chris and I did in high school blocking for some straight running backs who ended up in the CFL shutout wing. But it's it, it, it's those kind of numbers where you see a guy puts up five touchdowns in an NFL game, and you're like, what the – how the heck does – and that – I mean, speaking of other AFC hot teams or quote-unquote hot teams, how about those Buffalo Bills? Who the hell are they? Like, it seems that, like, they can kind of play with the best teams in the conference but then also – get beat up on by any kind of team anyways, like by the mediocre teams and below. So what does this tell us about Buffalo besides the fact that they just got their asses handed to them in Orchard Park? Like that's kind of where I'm like, holy shit, like is this defense even for real? Because the strength of this defense is supposed to be their ability to stop the run, and they did not do that. Oh, right. Yeah. So what does this say about Buffalo? Like do they need to – Buffalo feels like the AFC's Rams. Like got a lot of talent, got a lot of – expectations got a lot of abilities to be a top team we all thought they would be and they just can't seem to put it together oh josh allen looked almost as bad as stafford doing the spinorama throw throwing a pick six from the end zone like yeah he looked bad on the weekend i no no doubting his athletic ability and and he made some nice runs and i mean he's he's gutsy but those couple of those interceptions he threw were just terrible so, I don't know. He's he showed a lot of progress last season, and doesn't entirely look like it's stuck this season. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not super down on Josh Allen, but Buffalo is in, in a bad way. I, I have a bad feeling about them. Indeed. Again, this lack of running game and and you know relying on Josh Allen to do everything is going to be a problem. Well, that's exactly and, and the, yeah. Trubisky coming in with with five attempts and an interception in garbage time is just kind of like salt on the wounds. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of what every Atlanta Falcons quarterback did, which is basically throwing an interception more or less as they had a chance to. But to your point there, Nikki, um, what I find interesting is like the Bills, 
with Josh Allen at quarterback, they definitely do need an, an, another running guy, like a running back to kind of take the load off of him because as much shit as Lamar gets for being a running a running back, a quarterback in air quotes, even though he's undeniably taking huge steps as a passer, the thing with the Ravens has always been Lamar's always had a viable option in the backfield to hand the ball off to. That's why he works because you have mm-hmm. to honor who's in the backfield with yeah. Lamar. That doesn't exist in Buffalo right now. And even though Josh Allen, as a bad ram of a human being he is, he's Cam Newton with a better arm. That's really what he is physically. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, you can just tee off on him because who do you respect out of the backfield? Absolutely no one. So they definitely, I think, in the uh, offseason need to really address the running back position. Offseason. Sure Sorry, in the offseason. Yeah, in the offseason. Offseason. I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear Adrian and Le'Veon Bell are available. They should sign them. How about look out for the the running back needy teams that signed in the first place, right? So, I mean, hey, I'd love to see AP back in the league, but uh, that's where I'm thinking is like Buffalo needs to really do some work to kind of get a running game outside of their quarterback who you can't pay your quarterback, uh, you know, record money in the NFL and then also have him be your leading rusher. That is not a recipe for return on investment. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to be able to avoid the hits like Lamar. Lamar has this, you know, uncanny ability to avoid the big hits when he's running. You know, that last second juke or he drops down or he just, you know, slings to the side and, and glancing blows and that kind he's of rubber. thing. Yeah. yeah, he just, it doesn't matter. Every time I see him run, I kind of, oh, you know, I tense up like, oh, he's going to get his head taken off. No, he somehow squeaks in between it or drops below it or, you know, he doesn't, he avoids those big hits. Josh Allen is almost the opposite. Every time he touches the ball, he's just trying to run over people and through people and seeking out contact. He's like a giant magnet for a massive hit. And at some point, I mean, you saw what happened to Cam, right? It's it's going to catch up to him sooner than later. So yeah. he doesn't run yeah. a lot. I'll say that they don't they don't try and run him a lot. They don't use him like they used that Cam used to get um, run, but. Anyways, um, all right. And the last thing I'll say about the Wentz, I was going to make this, the, it kind of made me think of it, that Tennessee loses on the weekend and they throw the ball 52 times in inclement weather. And you got Indy on the other hand going, we've got a running back, the running game's working, let's just run it all game because we can. So I, I don't know. Like, Tennessee should be doing the same thing. All right. That said, uh, did we want to make any more points about Buffalo? Buffalo after the bye week? How well, are they, they uh, good. How are they looking through that? I mean, I looked at the, re- the rest of the schedule through the rest of the season. They got a tough road to the playoffs. I Here's my hot take. Buffalo misses the playoffs. Oh, well. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it's really <laughs> – conceivable and the only reason i say it's conceivable and and not wholly unlikely is they do play the patriots twice and i think we're gonna beat the brakes off of them twice but i mean it's yet to be seen so it depends honestly if they can split the games with new england i think obviously they have a much better chance of making the playoffs it really i think depends on uh if they can you know split those games if they get swept by new england i don't really see how they have a shot at the playoffs they have to win out the rest of the games what's buffalo's record against tom brady Oh, because <laughs> they got to uh, play the yeah. Bucks too. Yeah, that's right. They've only beaten him, I think, three times in his career. So, yeah, yeah. It's not like they have an easy remaining schedule left, right? And the Patriots does – our schedule gets a whole lot easier after – I mean, we play the Bills twice. We do have the Titans. We do have the Colts, I guess. But we still have a couple of cupcakes. I mean, I guess we got one cupcake game against the Dolphins. So, not that it's that much easier. I but. mean, the Bills are 6-4. and four. Yeah. So, they're sitting in an – they're in a decent spot right now. Not great. They play the Saints, the Patriots, the Bucks the next three weeks. Then the Panthers. That could be that's not going to be an easy out. Patriots again. Falcons, they're gonna they should dummy the Falcons. And then they finish on the Jets, which they should win those two handily. So two wins easy. So you're looking at at least eight wins. And then they probably win one or two of those other games conservatively so do they make the playoffs with 10 wins i'd say so in the afc they got a good chance a good chance yeah all right well that's why it's a hot take 
they're going to pee their pants and miss the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry, Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And New England, I think they're the real deal. I honestly think they're, they're going to do some damage down the stretch. They're hitting their stride at the right time. Mac has only gotten better across the season and opened up more of their offense. Their running game is starting to really look like something worth taking note of. And and what Phil was talking about earlier, like the, the turnovers, you look at the turnovers across their season, it's uh, really impressive. They don't turn the ball over. Well, and, and the last seven games, they've had at least one turnover on defense. One takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. They've had three games where they've had three or more in the last seven games. There's your recipe for winning. Take the ball away away from the other team. Yeah, that's (laughs) a real good way to win. (laughs) Football's not that hard, guys. It's simple. Just take the ball ball away from the other team. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) All right. Who's going to hire me as a coach? <laughs> All right. Wrapping it up. Does anybody have any last second nuggets or things they would like to toss out for the group? Uh for me, I'm just gonna continue my weekly crusade of Matt Nagy needs to be fired yesterday. Uh at this point now, I think he's really gonna be doing more damage than good to Justin Fields' long term development. Uh granted he left Sunday's game, I think, with an injury, which is why Andy Dalton came in the red rifle and threw two touchdowns while still completing less than 50% of his passes. But uh, that's one of the things... <laughs> like only like, the red rifle can do. Like only Andy Dalton, <laughs> Andy Dufresne can do. <laughs> Andy Dufresne oh. can do. But uh, that is the thing, though, I think, with um, with the Bears that I'm finding is, like, every week, I think Matt Nagy does less or puts his team in worse positions to win. And I think that if the... Bears as an organization are committed and believe Justin Fields can be their guy. They need to bring in a different coach. I'm hoping for the actual good, uh, what's it called, Andy Reid disciple. I'm thinking Eric Bieniemy. Hopefully they can try again, go back to that well, and see if uh, Eric Bieniemy turns out fine. But uh, I do definitely think that for Justin Fields' own sake and development, they got to get a new head coach in there. Okay. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue with you. Not that I want to. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? Nothing? All right. The last thing I'll say is poor chargers. Just poor chargers. I mean, how terrible is that? You play a home game in L.A., and it sounds like a Steelers home game. Well, there's two <laughs> things there. The last time uh, the Chargers played before they got to L.A. when they were in San Diego. Sorry, when they were in L.A. their first season, they had that like tiny Sox game that held 20,000. Yeah. I remember Pittsburgh played the Chargers there one time, and it was like 80% Steelers fans. You could probably count on five hands how many Chargers fans there were. That organization has poisoned the fan base so much. But also, let's be fair, Pittsburgh's... Uh, Fans travel better than pretty much any fan base in the NFL. You will yeah, always see a huge a huge percentage of Yinzers at every single NFL game. You know what? I'm starting to... I mean... <laughs> is this a thing? Do people have backup teams? You know, you got your favorite team, and then you got your backup team. My backup uh, team changes year to year. Your AFC team <laughs> and your NFC team? Well, since, uh, since March 13, 2020, my backup team has been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but... You're so predictable. He has a tattooed on his forearm. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible. What do you call Brady Stans? Brady Stans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because I mean, you're that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm a proud Brady Stan. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just that, yeah, I got the tattooed on my on my forearm. The date of his stand at the pages. Don't cry that it's over. Be happy that it happened. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to say, like the Chargers, I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers this year. It's uh, it's fun to see them with a franchise quarterback, and I'm excited for the next, you know, decade plus of watching the Chargers. And, you know, it's kind of – I'm happy that they went from one one franchise quarterback to another. That That's that's pretty cool. I like Green Bay Packers. Um. And their uniforms are just awesome. Perfect. 
Yeah, they're so great. Like, they're my backup team now just because I want to get one of their jerseys. <laughs> yeah, that, them and the Rams, both LA teams. Oh, so no. Get out of <laughs> I know you hate the, oh. I know you hate the kids. Oh, I love them. The Rams oh, my nice gosh. With the latex just love kills them. Terrible. Reflective latex. Uh, the bone color scheme. Come on. What have you ever heard an NFL team have bone in their color scheme? I love it. <laughs> bone. What? What bone? <laughs> exactly. That's their uh, that's their off white away jersey, which I adore. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. Mm. I despise it. That's fine. Yeah, can can the latex, and I might be all right with it. I don't mind the canary yellow. It's it's you know it's anyways. Chargers all the way. Like rooting for the Chargers feels like you know rooting for the Mets, right? No, rooting for the Chargers in New York. Yeah. Rooting like, for the Chargers feels like rooting for the uh, like the nerdy kind of like ugly loser kid in like a, like a teen high school movie that gets like a glow up halfway through. That's the Charger like, but they're they're due for the glow. Oh up yeah, like the that. really good looking nerdy kid that like yeah. gets a fake makeover and is all of a sudden super popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. them with Justin Herbert. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, awesome. That was great, guys. Let's wrap it up there. Uh, finish on a high note. <laughs> Thank you for showing up. Thank you for your candor, and we'll do it again next week. Let's do it, fellas. See you next week.